All right, everybody, welcome back. We are in the 15th episode of Reflecting the King series. And the main point that I want to drive home today is that Reflecting the King is inside of humble, dependence, and reliance. Uh, the scripture that I want to bring out today is John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Then Jesus answered and he said unto them, Most assuredly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son, and he shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So we're going to jump into the different translations here real quick. The NIV translation says the son can do nothing by himself. The Aramic version says the son cannot do anything of his own will. And the NET Bible says this, the son can do nothing of his own initiative. <laughs> so we're going to break this down because inside of the of reflecting the king as reflecting the pattern and the mindset that he had uh, when he was upon this earth. So I've already set the foundation that Jesus Christ is the foundation and not only his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, but his life, his words, his example, his anointing, his power, the whole enchilada is our representation to follow. And including in this is his mindset uh, uh, that he begins to uh, tell us here about this humble reliance and dependence upon God. So the first thing, is this concept of doing nothing. The son can do nothing of himself. And uh, you know what? I looked up this word just to make sure that I'm understanding things correctly. And I'll always look up words because I want to know the deeper meaning of, of words. And I could tell you with, um, with absolute certainty, there's nothing deeper here. And that word nothing means nothing. It just means nothing. And so, you know, a lot of times I look and I find and I'm like, wow, this is like deep. And I go down this rabbit hole to everything that this means. Uh, but in this concept, in this truth, nothing means nothing. There's nothing deeper here to see. And he is saying that the son can do absolutely positively nothing of himself. Now, the different translation says that uh, uh, cannot do anything of his own will. So that's attached to him being inside of a body and being a human, fully God and fully man. So inside of his humanity, he had a certain will, right? Um, and that is to say that if a will was in conflict, like it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, that God's will would win paramount if it was in conflict. And so we see that even the will of, of, of being human was submitted to to the father and to his plan and all those different things and then the other translation the son could do nothing of his own initiative <laughs> and that is to say he didn't go he didn't wake up one morning and go you know what i think i'm going to uh, become the son of god you know what i think i'm going to do this that and the other thing and, and, and that just wasn't the case the initiative didn't arrive uh, from the uh, the humanistic standpoint, okay? So what he's showing us is, is this, is if we truly believe that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man, uh, 
and that he became human and that he was in all points tempted like as we are and that he was a man who was a uh, 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 fully God and fully man. But his manifestation of his humanity was a man filled with the spirit of God. And then we understand the example that he's setting here is one of humble dependence upon the father and that we can too uh, operate inside of the same way in same fashion. That is our model to follow also, <coughs> excuse me. And so if that example is set, we believe in his, his humanity, then we, we follow in that pattern. Here's a big problem that I see uh, taking place. And that is, we know that the, the spirit of the, the antichrist has denied that Jesus has come in the flesh. And that is a, a full evidence of, of the spirit of the antichrist. And that is that he was a phantom, um, that he was a spirit, uh, in, inside of Gnosticism, that some of the beliefs, um, there's other beliefs that, uh, uh, he was a fable, uh, didn't really happen that the whole gospel was an invention of the Roman empire, uh, to subdue the Jewish people and all those different, uh, concepts and mindset. All of these deny the fact and reality that he literally existed as a man upon this earth. But what I'm seeing is even a step, uh, denying his humanity, and that is that he he lived and operated in full divinity and that he didn't uh, submit himself uh, to the father, uh, that he wasn't uh, really tempted. You know, we can't say that, um, you know, that he was tempted uh, if he wasn't in fully human form because God cannot be tempted by evil. Right. And so the idea of him setting aside his glory is in a sense of setting aside a full divinity. And this is clearly shown in the scripture that he was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and who was uh, dependent upon the Father for uh, direction, uh, for initiative, and for everything just like we are. And so we can follow his example and pattern. So moving on, uh, nothing means nothing. And in the context of what he sees the father do is what he does in like manner. So I want you to picture this as like a, a shadowing or a mentorship. And that is that you are following the pattern that is set before you. You know, I'm sure Jesus learned inside of the carpentry trade that he was taught inside of the family business and that he shadowed um, uh, Joseph for a period of time before his death. And that he learned uh, some things and that he saw what his father was doing and that he began to uh, to do in the same like manner. Now, what this is here is it shows us the ultimate example and the pattern to follow that that God is going to be our father and he is going to father us. And that is that he's going to mentor us. And we're to see, we're to look upon, we're to understand, and we're, we're, we're to take heed to the pattern that has been laid out for us. And we begin to do what the father, what we see the father do, and we behave also in the same manner. So the pattern is this, that Christ was in humble, dependent uh, fashion upon the father. 
And that in so many ways, it is spoken that he can do nothing. He does what he sees the fathers do. These are not my words, but but the father, uh, I'm not sent to do my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. All of this is wrapped up in a very humble uh, dependence upon God for initiative and for uh, for mission and power and everything inside of that. So as we see. Now, we can look at the life of Christ and we can see uh, his example. We can see his life. We can see his words and all those different things. And they can begin to consume our heart and our lives. And we can see that is we are looking at it. We're looking at the pattern. We are seeing it. We're we're regarding it. And we're taking heed to the pattern uh, that was laid out. And inside of that, we are in this same process that we see what Christ did. And we see not only that, what he's doing upon the earth today, and we're deciding that we are going to behold that image and that we are going to begin to participate in him, uh, in what he's doing on the earth today. And that is a powerful, powerful reality. Uh, the other word that I want to point out in here is that the father loves the son. And this is a, a relationship of, of father and son. There is a communication. There is a power. There's all of this stuff that takes place inside of that relationship. And inside of that relationship, it says that the father shows him the things that he is doing. And in here is the context of revelation. And that is that we uh, can receive the revelation of what God is doing, uh, uh, what God has did. As far as the life, example, death, resurrection, power, character, mission of Jesus. And we can see and we can behold that. And then we can uh, then we can see and behold what God is doing upon the earth today and see what God is doing. Have our eyes open to understand what it is that that God is actually doing in the earth today. And then we can begin to participate with him. But the the reality is, is that it is shown and that is that we have been given, given eyes to see and that we can, uh, he has caused us or allowed us to be able to see the pattern and to see what he's doing uh, so we can join him inside of this mission. What's the problem? I'm going to get into this problem because the problem is thick and deep. First problem is that people are operating independently of God. And that is to say they haven't really uh, uh, faced this reality that they can do nothing. Now, think about this for a moment, that if Christ said, I can do nothing, what makes us think that we can do anything, right? And that is that there's a lot of people who, who, are, who are operating independently of God. And, and ultimately, it's because they think they can do something, Right. And it's not coming to the conclusion of humble dependence. And so they may be doing something. (laughs) Right. But it's not uh, uh, under the power and the inspiration of God. They're operating quite independently uh, of the power of God. And the reason why is because they have uh, they have took the initiative. And that is that they felt a rise up inside and I'm going to take the initiative and I'm going to do this. And, and then somewhere they sprinkle on some prayers and ask God to bless it. And, and they never see and understand what it is that, that God was doing inside of Christ and letting that example, not power and that anointing and everything, mission, purpose, power, everything that's inside of that to consume their hearts. So they actually get a burden. 
And then they never uh, look at what God is doing on the earth today and saying, you know what, I'm going to participate in what God is doing. And that is instead of looking at where God is moving and, and, and the, the activity that God is involved in, we come up with our own <laughs> and we don't understand that God is asking us to participate with him and that he is not going to participate with us. Okay. It's, it's a, it's a counterculture thinking, but God is moving. He, he is doing something and his call is to ask you to join him. And this is the example that we see in Christ that he goes to these different locations and he starts picking up disciples and he says, Hey, uh, follow me. And he goes up to the mountain and he calls his disciples up to him. And we see all of this stuff where, where he is telling them to participate in the mission that he is doing. Now, the flip side of what we have today is that uh, people come in uh, contact with Jesus and, and it's much like uh, uh, Peter, James and John at the boat and they come in contact with Jesus and then they go, well, you know, I would love to, um, I would love to accept you as my Lord. Will you please uh, bless the plans that I have and will you come uh, follow me? And that is backwards. Okay. But that is the mindset that's being propagated today that we're, we're supposed to come up with our own plans and our own initiatives and all these different things. And then God is going to bless that. What needs to take place is the understanding that God has given us a new heart and a new spirit. And within that new heart and new spirit is desires. And this is why the Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. And that is that the, the, the initiative is with him to place those desires within you. And then from that, then, then God is able to begin to manifest his power, to begin to, to, to begin to carry out those desires that he placed within you. He doesn't ask you to, to go, Hey, just, you know, uh, uh, just imagine whatever it is and all this different stuff. No, it's, it's, it's a placement. It's a sovereignty. And he's placing those things within, within your heart and you have to seek them. And this is a far different, uh, mentality than operating independently of God. The next one is not seeing God as father. And this is, this is a big problem. Um, you know, there's this, there's so many ways that we can relate to God, but the whole, the most holistic way, and that is to grab a hold of the way God wants to be uh, portrayed is attached to um, a holistic form of fatherhood. And that is, yeah, he, he is the savior. Yeah, he is the king, but he's our uh, savior father. He is our father king. So whatever identity we attach with God, we need to make sure that we attach father with it also, because that's ultimately the call of which we are to be engaged in, in that he is, he is going to be our father and we are going to be his sons and daughters, says the Lord almighty. And that is that we enter into this relationship of being fathered by him. And that means he's there to mentor us. He's there to encourage us. He's there to support us. He's a, he's there to course correct us. He's there to do everything that an assertive, loving father would do. And the reality of this biggest problem is that people are not being fathered by God. And that is they're not, uh, they're not seeing 
or they're not participating inside of this relationship where God begins to show them uh, what he's doing so they can begin to participate in all these different things. It's just not happening. And it's not happening because people are not seeing God as that father role in which he was meant to be inside of the lives of his people. This leads us to problem number three is that people are not particularly open to being mentored. <laughs> and that is they, they, they come to a, a salvation service. It's uh, awesome music, boom, you know, live jumping. And, and then a message, a call to action is to receive Christ as your savior. Um, they might have a little bit of, uh, uh, you might get baptized. You might have a little bit of uh, discipleship that's very weak uh, in the sense, but it, it doesn't open you up to be mentored by God. And it doesn't open you up to be mentored by somebody older than you that is farther along the path, right? And so that is the big problem is that we're creating babies, but those babies are being abandoned and we're good at the baby making machine, man. We are producing converts less than right. And they're raising their hands and all this and stuff. And they come into the cog, into the machine and they, they go through this little bit of time and then they get abandoned uh, because there's no spiritual fathers and there's no fathers raising up sons and daughters and the, the mentorship is all but lost inside of the kingdom. And this is a big, big problem. Lastly, the problem is not paying attention to what God is doing. And that is that we're not to come up with our own ideas, that God is at a moving and he has activity and the Holy Spirit is doing all kinds of things upon this earth today. And that uh, we need to uh, seek God to give us those desires, open our hearts and our understanding to see what he's doing so we can participate. Now, the pain Let's talk about the pain involved with this problem. The pain of failure is the biggest one. If I'm operating independently of God, that means that, uh, you know, the source and the power and the strength to accomplish great things is not happening. And that is that I've come up with this idea and I'm going to operate in this and I'm going to do this uh, 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 separate from God. And that means that I'm not operating in his strength. And this ultimately leads to the pain of failure. It also leads to, if it's a very worldly mission uh, uh, in that has its root in humanism, you know, at the end of your life, you might be able to say that you did some good, uh, but you can't say that you, you've done kingdom work and actually made uh, impact inside of the kingdom of God and, and caused a, a major shift inside of people's lives. And there'd be a lot of pain involved with that failure operating independently of God. The next pain is the pain without correction. Now, this the Bible calls a bastard. And that is if you're without correction, then you are a bastard. And that is that the Bible says that he scourges and, and corrects every son that he receives. And in the book of Revelations, he says, whom I love, I rebuke. And so love is attached to this sense of course correction. A child without discipline and without correction uh, experiences a lot of pain. And that is a severe sort of pain of hard knocks of, of learning the hard way and refusing to learn by wisdom. Now, I want you to think about it this way. If a father uh, saw his son um, riding his bike, let's just say they're like seven years old and they're riding their bike and they're about to hit the cliff, right? Wouldn't there be a strong, stern voice come from the father and say, hey, 
and you would like immediately uh, create this assertiveness to get their attention. And then you would go stop, right? In a very assertive manner. And so this is the, the reflection in the heart of the father is that when we hear this, uh, this attention grabbing course correction sort of message that it is very uh, assertive in nature, it's very powerful and it's to bring us a sense of course correction. So we begin to shift because there are cliffs everywhere. And so if we don't have this sense of correction, then we're going to uh, easily uh, go off all kinds of cliffs, right? The third pain is the pain of not growing. And that is if we're not engaged in this process that I'm talking about with being fathered by God, then we're not growing. And then ultimately leads to not uh, being attached to his purposes. You know, God has a, has a will. He has a desire. We already talked about this. He has purposes. And one of those biggest purposes is to be uh, that he would rise up an army that would be used as an instrument to bring healing to this world because God so loved the world and he wants to send his ambassadors to call out to the world, to escape, to come out from the world and its systems. And there's a purpose attached to that. And that's what he's doing. And so we got to grab a hold of that. So what's the possibility in all this? The possibility is understanding this, that even from like a very worldly perspective, uh, Christ is the most powerful man to ever walk this planet. Okay. Even from a very uh, just worldly perspective, that is that 2000 years later, we're still talking about him and that there's buildings erected in his name all over the world. And that's just in that fashion alone, he was the. Uh, the most powerful thing of most powerful person to ever step foot on this planet. Not only that, but the book that tells the story is the best-selling book of all times. So even in that, you know, uh, we understand that, uh, that he was uh, uh, created this massive, massive impact inside of the world today. He challenged religiosity and that is he didn't conform to the religious uh, circles of his day of the scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious elite of his day that he challenged religiosity everywhere that he went. He mentored others. And that is he took these 12 disciples and he had uh, uh, and he spent a lot of time with him, private time teaching these men. And not only that, but he had 70 other disciples that he uh, mentored in some way or fashion. And that is that he, he invested his life inside of others and mentored others inside of the kingdom message and inside of the kingdom. He brought healing everywhere he went and his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand this the the heralding of the good news of the new king that was was on his throne and he was starting a a underground insurgence of that he was gathering members for this kingdom and that kingdom would soon fully manifest inside of overcoming the kingdoms of this world and he would sit upon a literal throne upon this earth okay and he brought that message and healing to the world. He sacrificed himself for others. That is his time, his energy, his resources, his very life. And he created a movement that has rippled 
to this present moment. Now think of all that. Think of all of that. The most powerful man to ever walk this planet, best-selling publication of all times, challenged religiosity, mentored others, healing to the world, sacrificed himself, created a powerful movement that still moves on to this day. And just imagine creating a legacy, a life that that was your impact. That was the creation that you made. Now, I want to I point out all that awesomeness because he is awesome. But I, now I want to point out how. And I want to dive deep into that right now. And that is that I can of my own self do nothing. <sighs> Jesus Christ, who did all of those things said, I can of my own self do nothing. We want the solution or we want the formula to the power. We want the formula to the impact. And I'm giving it to you right now in a very, very uh, strong way that it was the mindset that he can do nothing and that he didn't see himself as operating independently of the father. He saw himself in connection and oneness to the father. And he saw what the father was doing and he began to participate in what God was doing. That is to say that he allowed God to place the desires inside of his heart, that he didn't come up with uh, thoughts and desires independently of God and go ask him to bless it. This is the reason and the source of his power that whatever he saw the father doing is that what he was going to do. So the applicableness is this, is that I begin to consume myself with Christ inside of the gospels. Everything that he said and everything that he did was a representation of the father. The mission that he took on in the anointing to bring healing to the world, to bring clarity to the blind and all of these different things that he did shows us our example and our pattern to follow. This is what the father is doing. And the father begins to show us. And so we can see it. So we can begin to participate inside of the same mission. And so the man that created a legacy was because he said he can do nothing. And I do whatever I see the father doing. So what is this? This is ultimate example of a reflection of the king is, is coming alongside of him and say, I see your reflection. I see what you, um, what you displayed and I see what it requires to, um, to have an impact and create legacy that's of worth any worth or value. And it requires humility and it requires me to yield and it requires me that I submit to the voice of God and it requires that I be, uh, dependent upon you. And inside of this, it, 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 it requires me to be aware and begin to ask the question, what it is that God is doing? What is he showing me? So I can be, begin to participate. And inside of that is an ear that's inclined. 
that ear is inclined because it knows and understands that the best uh, course for my life is a listening ear. So I can begin to know and understand the direction that God wants me to take. And lastly, it's, it's uh, responding. So I'm going to yield. I want you to grab this yieldedness for a minute and understand the, the concept behind this. That fruit from the seed form planted inside of the ground, from the nurturing to the, to the stock shooting up, to the producing of the fruit and all of this, this is a process of yielding. That's why they call it yielding fruit. And the yieldedness is, is this, that I am going to trust in his process. I'm going to allow the seed to be planted inside of my heart. I'm going to accept that. And I'm going to receive that. And I'm going to allow the growth to take place. And not only that, but when the stock begins to shoot up, that is the, the backbone of my faith. And then I'm going to sink down deep. I'm going to let my roots go down and I'm going to take time to develop that sternness and firmness and that I'm going to be able to stand. I'm going to yield to the process. I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to respond. All of this, uh, uh, we see the example of Christ and ultimately comes to the mindset that says, I've come to do your will. I've come to do your will. And so to be able to do that, we have to understand what it is that God wants and what it is that God is doing. And it's dependence is the path to the anointed one. There is this thought and idea that we don't need to depend upon God and that he doesn't need to be our strength. And that is that we can uh, imagine and we can have our imagination run wild and we can be able to see something and visualize something. And then that, uh, the universe comes in your wish is my command because you visualized it because you, you thought it in your heart and in your mind, I am here to make your dreams a reality. And that is a, a false idea. And that is God doesn't ask us anywhere to, to do anything of that nature. In fact, he calls us to lay those kind of things aside and begin to seek his will and to allow his desires to be placed inside of our hearts so we can begin to live for him and see what he's doing and begin to participate. And that is ultimately the path to dependence, anointing, power, impact, mission is all attached to our humble dependence. And are we going to yield and trust in his process. All right, brothers, I'll talk to you later. Peace.